Why don't we pray one more time and just invite the Lord to speak to us? Um, we always want to hear him when we're gathering or opening his word. But you know, if, if we're on the topic of hearing God's voice, maybe we ought to invite him to speak to us about that. Does that sound like a good idea? So Lord, we, we just invite you right now. God, we know that you're present. And God, we know that you're always speaking. Lord, would we be open to hear you this morning? God, I thank you for your word that is alive, it's living, it's active, it's powerful. And God, you, you use it to speak to us, to reveal yourself. And so God, we personally invite you, come and say what you wanna say today. God, give us ears to hear from you. Give us hearts that are willing to respond to you. Lord, if the topic of hearing your voice is something that is familiar to us, Lord, if we've cultivated a relationship with you over years, God, we just invite you to help us continue to grow in that. Lord, that we would know and recognize and be responsive to your voice in our lives. Lord, if we've been in a season that's been kind of like a desert season for a while, where it's been hard to hear and recognize your voice, maybe you've seemed silent. God, would you help us to, to see what you're doing and where you are right here and right now? And Lord, if this is whole new territory for us, if the idea of hearing your voice is unfamiliar, maybe even intimidating or scary, Lord, I just pray that we would see the joy that's available in knowing you. Jesus, you saved us into an eternal relationship where we could know you and walk with you. And God, would you help us to become more and more familiar to recognize your presence and hear your voice in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. All right, we're gonna talk this morning specifically about ways to hear God's voice, ways that we can hear him. Um, and so I wanna start where we've gotta start. It's rooted in scripture. Hearing God's voice is rooted in the word of God. I am thankful for the written word of God. I don't know if, if, we, if we stop often enough to appreciate the miracle that the Bible is, that we have this document that was written by over 40 authors over a period of like hundreds, actually I think it was like 1500 years. And yet it tells this cohesive story that points to Jesus. It's incredible if you think about it. You can't get three people to agree on anything. And yet we have the word of God. And so I'm grateful for it. And so our foundation point always when it comes to hearing God's voice is rooted in the scripture. And before I just kind of jump into this, I just want to tell you guys, you know, I grew up in church. I knew the Bible stories. I was familiar with Jesus. I'd accepted him at a young age. Um, and like many, you know, as I got into kind of my teenage years, drifted a little bit, um, wasn't walking closely with him. Um, and at 19 years old, I, I had a really a turning point moment in my life. And, and kind of the key thing that really changed for me is I just decided God, either you're real or you're not. And, and if you're real, I, I wanna hear you and recognize you in my life. And I just opened up the Bible that I'd known my whole life. I knew the stories that were in there, but it was like, God, will you talk to me through your word? And something shifted where I just, I just asked him to talk to me through his word and he did. And it began to come alive and leapt off the page. And I believe this is the foundation point for us is his word. And so look at what Paul encourages Timothy with here in 2 Timothy chapter three, verses 14 through 17. We're, we're very familiar, many of us, with verses 16 and 17 that we'll get to in a minute, but look where he starts, verse 14. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. He's talking about scripture. He's saying, Timothy, continue, be faithful in the word of God. You've, you've known it from your youth. You're acquainted with it. You're familiar with it. The Bible isn't like a book that you go, well, I read that once. Uh, I've got a couple of Psalms on my fridge and I see them occasionally. Like he was familiar and acquainted with the word of God. Which, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. 
I want to just pause there for a second. How did Adam and Eve take their first breath? Well, Adam. How did Adam take his first breath? God breathed. God breathed life into his lungs. The scripture is God breathed. Friends, it is, it is the source of life. If I'm trying to walk through my life apart from being connected with the living God who wants to breathe life into me, it's like I'm holding my breath. Have you ever found yourself like kind of accidentally holding your breath? Maybe you're in an anxious moment or something difficult and you're, you're kind of holding your breath. It like, it actually like cripples you a little bit. Like you need air, breathe. We need breath. And so scripture is like that. It's God's breath. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. The bottom line is it's, it's given to us so that the man of God or woman of God may be complete equipped for every good work. Friends, I wanna encourage you, our starting point to hearing God's voice, to recognizing his activity in our lives, it's not just the starting point, it's the anchor point. It's his word. Let's become and continue in, let's become and continue in familiarity with the word of God. Let's make it a way of life. Um, I, I read a lot of books. I read a lot of books. I, I read Christian authors many times. I read other things too, but I read a lot of books. Don't let those replace time in the word of God. Don't let preaching replace time in the word of God. Spend time in the scripture with Jesus. If you're reading a book by a Christian author that's referring to scripture, develop the habit of pausing when they're quoting scripture and go read it. Are they applying it the way that the context gives? Like it enriches it. One of the ways I began to recognize God's voice through scripture is I'd be reading like an old A.W. Tozer book or a C.S. Lewis book, but I would be disciplined to have my Bible sitting right there. And so if Tozer's talking to me about hearing God's voice, for example, and then he tells me about Abraham, guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go read about Abraham and how he was a friend of God and how God's inviting me into that relationship. Let the word of God become something that develops relationship. You know, when, when we're in church and we hear read the Bible, don't hear, well, there's the box I'm supposed to check to be a good Christian. I gotta get in my specific amount of devotional time. No, it's an invitation to know God. Hebrews 4.12, this is familiar. I think I prayed this a minute ago. For the word of God is living and active. I'm not reading an old dead document. God is alive and active and his word is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Look what it does. It pierces to the division of soul, of spirit, of joints and marrow. Do you hear how it touches the whole person? God's word has to do with my physical life and activity. God's word has to do with my way of thinking. God's word has to do with my very soul, my heart, how I live my life. It's a discern, it discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. See, when it comes to hearing God's voice, when I say it's rooted in scripture, it's not just like I read it or maybe I even try to memorize it. It's realizing there's an exchange taking place. In fact, as I'm reading God's word, I'm letting it read me. I'm letting it be a way of reflection. God, where am I at? What are you saying to me? What are you highlighting to me? Are, am I reading something that's encouraging me that I'm on the right track? That I'm, I'm, God, I've actually been walking this out. I needed that encouragement. Sometimes I'm, I'm overly hard on myself. But then at other moments, it might be like, I'm off track. And God's word shows up and, and says, no, wait, hold on. And God can put his finger on something that we need to see. Reading God's word is meant to be time with him. He's alive and active. He wants to engage with me through his word. And so I get to know him. I get to understand who he is, what he's like, how he operates. He teaches me about who I am, how he's made me, how he's calling me to live. And I grow in relationship with him through reading his word. Last, last verse here on this topic. 
Ephesians 6, this is from verses 17 and 18. And take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Note all these things that work together here. The word of God, the spirit of God, prayer, endurance. Guys, like my job is spending time in the word during the week to prepare a message on Sunday. But my time in the word goes beyond that. It goes to just spending time with the Lord to cultivate relationship. And I've, I've been a pastor for a long time now. Youth pastor for years, now pastoring a church. And can I just tell you, there's times where I'm just persevering in my Bible reading. There's not some moment I've reached where I'm some like spiritual giant where it's just like, man, I just hear God all the time and it's great. And I read the Bible and I just am lit up. You know, the book of Leviticus just fires me up when I'm in it. Like, that's just not, that's not reality. There's times where I'm just persevering. I'm just, I'm just hanging in there. But being consistent in the word, choosing to believe that when I sit down and I open the scripture, that God's presence is with me. If you're not feeling that, at least pause and invite him to be there. Make prayer a part of your Bible reading. God, I'm sitting down to open up your word. You are living and active. This word is living and active. You've given me your spirit. God, would you help me to see what you want me to see and hear what you want me to hear and to hang in there and trust that if I'm prayerful, like prayer is just conversation. If you struggle with prayer, connect it with Bible reading. You know, a conversation's two-way. If you're not sure what to say in prayer, then like shut up and listen. <laughs> Open up the word. God, would you talk to me through your word? And, and you'll actually start to learn what to pray because then I, I can talk to him about the very things that I'm reading. Or I, like I spend time in the Psalms, I'm like, oh, David, thank you. You're teaching me how to pray. You're teaching me how to pray when I'm frustrated, when I'm feeling attacked in life, when I'm feeling alone and abandoned, like God's not near. You've taught me how to pray when life's good and I can have joy and celebration and give him thanks for his faithfulness. And so we spend time with him. See, if, if scripture is like our foundation for hearing God's voice, I mean, we could, the whole sermon could be on this and it's not gonna be, I'm gonna move on in a second. But listen, listen, I, I read the word to understand who God is and what he's like, but I also read the, learn, read the word to learn what his voice sounds like. As I familiarize myself with scripture, it's one of the ways that I learn to discern the difference between my thoughts and when the Holy Spirit's talking to me. Because if the Holy Spirit sounds a lot like my own voice, but if it sounds like the word of God, then I'm probably on the right track. The word and spirit cooperate together. Is this making sense? And so let's use the word as our foundation point. So I'm gonna walk us through some other ways that we hear God's voice during the course of life. But I just want to say, and I think you'll see this as we go, I'll highlight it a couple of times, but you'll see throughout all these examples in scripture at every point, as we're hearing God through supernatural means or, or whatever else, the word is always connected to it. Scripture like kind of sits as an umbrella over it. The word of God permeates it. And so it, it is so, it's so foundational for us. But I just wanna encourage you, there's some folks who just decided for whatever reason, maybe past bad circumstances, maybe unfamiliarity or skepticism that were, were nervous about the things outside of scripture that would enable us to hear God's voice. And we can miss real ways that God speaks to us through his presence in our lives, through dreams, through visions, through circumstances, through other people. And like, let's not let fear rip us off from that. Let's be thankful that God has given us the foundation of his word to keep us on the right track so I can discern what's him and what's not. And if I'm uncertain, then I can just kind of set it over here and wait on him. Okay, God, I'm not sure if that was you or not. So instead of just rejecting it outright or rushing headfirst into it and forcing it, I'm just gonna 
I'll sit with that for a while and watch what you do. All right, so that was my really long preamble because we need, we need the scripture to anchor us, okay? So here are some ways that we hear from God um, that cooperate with his word. Now, I was really wrestling through like, there's so many scriptures that just highlight ways that God speaks to people. Crystal did a phenomenal job last Sunday. If y'all missed it, um, you need to go back and listen to last Sunday's message. I'm kind of intimidated following up after last Sunday, to be honest with you. Like, like seriously, great job. Um, but she, she gave us a sense of some ways the Lord speaks through scripture in our lives. It was just great. And so I, I found myself all week kind of drawn to um, the story of Jesus' birth and all the things that led up to it because over and over again in those early passages in Matthew and Luke, we see people hearing from God in a variety of ways. And so we're gonna have a little Christmas in May. I wish it was July, you know, that has a better ring to it. Christmas, but we're gonna have a little Christmas in May and we're gonna look through the lens of the story of Jesus' birth, some of the ways that God speaks, all right? So here we go. First of all, Mary. Mary has a supernatural visit. She has a supernatural visit. Gabriel the angel visits the Virgin Mary. We're gonna pick it up in Luke chapter one, verses 28 and 29. And he, Gabriel, came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Mary recognized that this supernatural experience she was having was a pretty unique situation. And so did she rush off and text 10 friends and go, I just saw an angel? Did she get the news out there to like come and see if they could catch it in time on video and then tell the world about it? And let's create a new shrine where people can show up because an angel was here. She was aware of this miraculous thing that was happening, but she had a pause to go, what's up with this? <laughs> she used discernment. God, is this you? What's happening here? Am I just imagining something? Like what's going on? She recognizes the uniqueness of the situation and she tried to discern what was going on. Now, I want you to notice, I know we're familiar with the story. We kind of know what comes next, but I want you to just pay attention because the angel gives her confirmation in the midst of this supernatural visit in a couple of ways. First of all, verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. Okay, so the Lord wants to bring peace. It's one of the ways he'll confirm his word. He'll bring peace. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. The angel is referring to, to Isaiah here. This is scripture that would be very familiar to her. And so the angel is pointing to scripture and saying, this is that, it ties in with scripture. He's also letting her know, something's gonna happen to confirm that I'm right. Like you're gonna get pregnant. <laughs> That's a thing that is gonna take place to confirm this. Goes on, verse 36. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Pay attention to this miracle. You know, you know your cousin Elizabeth, she's been barren. You know she hasn't been able to have kids. Well, she's already pregnant. She's already pregnant. Nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38. And Mary said, to, said behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary paused. She looked to discern what was going on. And this supernatural experience tied in scripture, pointed to confirmable things that would take place and peace came. And what's Mary's response? Obedience, obedience. Listen, generally speaking, we're pretty excited 
when we find out we're having a kid. You know, you're, you're with the man or the woman that you love, you're married, you're excited to have a kid. Well, she's not quite married yet. This, it becomes good news. This doesn't feel like good news. This doesn't feel like good news. But she recognizes the, the supernatural appearance of this angel. She sees that it's confirmed by the word of God and she has a response of, okay, yes. Let it be to me according to what you're saying. Now, Mary doesn't stop there. I want you to see this. We jump right into this. The very next verse. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. Just pause there for a minute. She had the angelic visit. She heard the word of God through the angel. And what does she do? I'm, I'm about to go confirm this. I'm going to see Elizabeth. She jumped up with haste and went to Elizabeth. I love that. See, God speaks in a variety of ways. And so one of the ways that he speaks is he speaks through other people. He speaks through other people. And so she goes to see Elizabeth, verse 40. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, this isn't just confirming to Mary, it's encouraging she comes to another trusted friend who affirms what God has said and blesses her. Mary is encouraged by her friend and relative, Elizabeth. Friends, we need to hear from one another. Another way that God speaks to us is through each other. He'll confirm things that he's saying and that he's doing. And like, if we're just kind of out there on our own trying to hear and decipher, we're gonna be lost in confusion at times but he's called us to be in healthy relationship with the body of Christ. And so she goes and seeks out Elizabeth and she's encouraged by her friend. Got to witness something kind of funny this week. We were spending some time with some out of town family that was in. And so me and my wife are, are sitting, we're over at the Cove. Y'all know the park at the Cove and there's a little bit of a swim area there. And so the four of us are kind of under this tree. It's me and my wife and my sister and her husband. And and we're watching my son, Micah, and he's got a life vest on and he picked up a beach ball and kind of gone out. You know, it's, a, it's probably waist deep, maybe even a little deeper with his beach ball out there. And he's playing with it. And I, and I just, I kind of said, I was like, if I know anything, we're gonna be buying a new beach ball. Like this beach ball is gonna get lost, it's gonna be blown away. It wasn't 30 seconds later and the wind kind of caught it and the waves kind of caught it and it was blown away from him a little bit. And so we just kind of watched, like, let's see what he's gonna do. And so he swims after it and he gets so close, you know, and he, he like touches it and it does the thing where like, it actually knocks it a little further away. And it was like, he was swimming at the exact pace that the beach ball was floating. It was just out of his grasp. And so I was gonna jump up to help. And then we realized he's actually moving towards this, this guy. We, we weren't sure at first because there was a man bun situation going on, but it was a guy out there, thought it might've been a lady at first. Sorry, I just, I don't know. I have to tell stupid jokes. It was true though. He had a man bun. Okay, so he's floating in like an inner tube. And so we're just kind of watching. It's like, you know, this is our entertainment for the day, right? We're just sitting by the lake. And so the ball's getting closer and closer to this guy who's kind of faced the other direction. And the ball goes past. And we watch this moment where the guy kind of puts it all together. And like, he sees the ball go past. He turns around, he sees Mike and he realizes, oh, this kid's trying to get this ball. And so he's like, I'm gonna help. And so he starts by just kind of staying in the inner tube and he's kind of going along. He's like, I can't catch up to this thing. So then he's trying to pull his inner tube and swim and catch this ball. And I'm being such a good dad, I'm just watching it all. <laughs> and finally the guy, we watch him, he takes the inner tube and he just gives up. He throws it towards the shore and just starts outright swimming towards this beach ball. And he can't quite get it. And so now I'm starting to get up because they're like going down the shore a ways. And then I see these two ladies who've been watching all of it. And one of them gets her paddleboard out, gets on her paddleboard, goes out, meets the ball, brings it to shore. Y'all, everybody at the park helped my son catch this beach ball. It was amazing. How does that tie into what I'm talking about? Haven't you ever felt that way? Like you, 
Like, you just can't get there? Like, I can't quite, I can't quite wrap my, my head around. I can't quite reach, like, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? What's, it feels elusive. But he gives us each other. But you know what it took? It took people who were paying attention to my son and said, I, I can help. And they leaned in. See, if we are aware of and sensitive to one another, we can mutually encourage each other as we're stumbling along trying to hear God's voice. So much of my relationship with the Lord is just like Micah. I just, it's always a little, a little out of grasp. And sometimes I'm just looking around at my friends going, man, I don't know. I, I don't quite see it. I can't quite get there. I mean, I felt that way most of my life, but man, I'll tell you what, the last couple of years, trying to figure out how to navigate things in the climate that we've been in, there's been a lot of like grasping at straws. But God gives us his word. He moves at times through supernatural means. And friends, he gives us one another. And we can, we can hear from him together. We can mutually encourage each other. And that's what happens here. And I love this. Mary gets this encouragement from Elizabeth. And what's her response? Luke 1, 46 and 47. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Mary pursued the direction she was given and upon receiving confirmation that she'd heard rightly from God, she worships. See, if the first step to hearing God's voice is just to believe that he will speak to me and then the next step is pursuing that, then friends, it's important when he does speak that we stop and go, yes, thank you. And we worship. And if there's a response required, because worship is always the response that's required. But if there's a response that's required, I do it. Okay, Lord, I can do it. I, I can't even begin to imagine how powerful all of this was for her going into the next thing that has to take place. Now, I don't know for sure because Luke records some of this and Matthew records some of this, but I think Joseph didn't find out till she came back from her visit to Elizabeth. That's my, that's my guess. That's my impression. Um, because she would have just, like the Holy Spirit just came upon her and she went straight to Elizabeth and spent a few months there. And so the road she still had to walk that was hard, that God was inviting her into, I believe she had some courage. She had some joy that God's in this. Whatever else is coming, however hard this might be, God has shown, he's spoken to me. He's with me in this and I can head to what's next. And so the, the, the passage kind of ends there in verse 56. It just simply says, Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Now we're gonna pick up with Joseph. And so in Matthew's gospel one, chapter one, verses 20 through 24, Joseph has just gotten word that his virgin bride is pregnant. And we know from the couple verses before, he's, he's aware that she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. That's what he's been told. Doesn't necessarily mean that's what he believes yet. That's what he's been told. My, my virgin wife-to-be has shown up three months pregnant and is telling me God got her pregnant. If your immediate reaction to that isn't skepticism, I don't know how to communicate with you. <laughs> right? Like, let's not over-spiritualize a story that we know that we're so familiar with. His future wife just showed up pregnant and she said, God did it. That's the correct response. <laughs> what? And so Joseph's trying to wrap his head around that. And so... You know, and, and it, it becomes clear in the passage that like his plan is, look, I don't wanna just ruin her life, but I'm not buying this. And so he intends on putting her away quietly, divorcing her quietly, not to bring further embarrassment, but also like, hey, I'm out. That's kind of where he's leaning. And so he's wrestling through this decision. And in Matthew 1, verse 20, it says, but as he considered these things, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, 
do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Hey, what she told you, buddy, it's true. It's true. Hang in there. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. A dream, an angelic dream confirms what his wife has said and lines up with the promise of scripture. You know, this does seem crazy, but God said that when he sent his son, it was gonna be like this. A virgin would be with child. And he wakes up, verse 24. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the, as the angel of the Lord commanded him, he took his wife. Whew, that's some faith. That's some faith. But Joseph knew he'd heard from God. He knew it and he trusted and he said, okay, I'm willing to walk this out. He's reflecting on this information that he got and whether or not it really is God and is he really in it. And as he's wrestling with it, as he's reflecting on it, as he's trying to make a decision, we have another supernatural example where through an angelic dream, the scripture speaks right to his circumstances. Remember that whole idea of the word of God's living and active and powerful? Like, this is a long time promise from hundreds of years before. And God's saying, Joseph, this is you and your future wife right here in this moment. This is happening. And it comes alive right there. And so Joseph's response, it's just like Mary's. Okay, Lord, I'm saying yes to you. I'm saying yes to you. Now, I love this. We see another example of how God speaks. So through dreams, through angelic visits, through people, through his word. Watch what happens next. Back to Luke chapter two, verses one through seven. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Friends, scripture was fulfilled by the random circumstances of life. In fact, it was fulfilled by the decisions created by a pagan leader who wanted to make money. That's what's going on. I want everybody to register because I wanna make sure I'm getting all the taxes that I'm owed. And so this, this pagan Roman emperor wants to make sure he's getting all of his tax money. And so his obnoxious decision means Joseph has to take his wife on a trip when she's nine months pregnant, ready to pop, to go to the town, his birthplace. And God fulfilled scripture using the circumstances of a pagan leader wanting to pad his pocketbook. God uses circumstances to speak to us. Jesus' hometown was Nazareth. That's where he ends up getting raised. So how in the world did he get born in Bethlehem? God worked through circumstances to bring him there. Now, I don't mean that we just chase every tiny little circumstance that we find and force it into what I want. I don't mean that. But I do mean that God will use circumstances to line things up the way he wants. I had the craziest little moment this morning and this kind of stuff happens all the time and it's, I'm so grateful for it. So, you know, all week I'm kind of trying to decide like, Lord, what's the, what's the text for this morning? Like, I know we're talking about how you speak. What's the text? And, you know, we kind of landed here at, at this story around Jesus' birth. It's like, well, you know, it's May. Are we really allowed to talk about Christmas stuff in May? And I'm just kidding. Like we can talk about it all the time. But, you know, it just felt like a random thing, but I just felt like that's where you're supposed to be. So I come in this morning, I'm standing right back here, right back where you ladies are. 
And I'm talking to Crystal and she's telling me a story that I won't get into that whole story, but a cool little story about a new dog that entered their life this week. Anyway, so we're talking, I just noticed like this piece of trash on the ground. I'm like, that's weird. I wonder what that is. And so I go over and I pick it up. It's a Santa Claus sticker. (laughs) How did a Santa Claus sticker get on a school gym floor in May? Now listen, if I base my entire sermon on the Santa Claus sticker, we're in trouble. But it was a really cool little confirmation moment from the Lord that you're on the right track. I love that. But like, it's, it's little things where if I'll pay attention to the circumstances of life and watch for the Lord, I'll see these little things from him. And see, as we cultivate a relationship with him where his voice becomes more familiar and he also, by the way, he meets us where we are. Like, you know, those friendships that you have where you just have that kind of like inside language and you have stories that y'all know and you could kind of tell the story to other people, but like you get it in the moment when like something funny reminds you of that thing from 10 years ago or that movie that you quote all the time. Like you just have a lingo with close friends and family. Like God develops that with us. And so they're just things over time that I've just learned like how he talks to me. It doesn't mean he talks to everybody that way, but just little ways, little winks, little gifts that he gives. It's like, God, that's you. And I could have just like not paid attention to the trash on the floor. I almost just picked it up and laughed at like, why is there a Santa Claus sticker and threw it away? And then I just was like, also I was like, wait a minute. This is a cool little thing from the Lord. And then I was like, I'm using this in the sermon. We just got another illustration this morning. Like, just paying attention. Friends, I just want to encourage you. God speaks. What if we woke up every morning with the mentality of when is God going to speak today, not if he'll speak today? When, not if. What if I had anticipation that God wanted to talk to me? Maybe just through some quiet time in his word. Maybe at just the right moment, just that little thing from him that just says, I see you, I've got you, I love you. I'm grateful for those. I need those. I need those. He cares and he talks in so many little, de- I would love to know the story of the scripture, or scripture, the story of the sticker. How did it end up there? What circumstance? I have no idea. Did it magically appear this morning? Is there a kid somewhere really sad that they don't have their sand? I don't know. I don't know. But like God mysteriously worked through all this to just give me that little wink. And I'm grateful for it. And he does that. He does that. God speaks through circumstances. All right. One more thing. I I want you to see this, even though it's familiar to another point I've made. You know, Mary and Joseph, right? It's like, it's Mary and Joseph, You know, we're still doing Christmas plays 2,000 years later about Mary and Joseph, right? But in the midst of all that that was happening here, there were some other people that are kind of on the periphery. But God spoke to all of them. For example, he spoke to some shepherds, some guys taking care of smelly sheep out in a field. God spoke to shepherds, Luke 2, verses eight through 12. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior. Not unto Mary, like this is weird news, right? Like we got a couple ladies pregnant in our church right now. And like, Kristen, unto you is gonna be born a baby, right? But God shows up to the shepherds and says, unto you, this child has been born. He invites them in. He's Christ the Lord and this will be the sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So wait a minute, were Mary and Joseph stuck in the circumstances of the manger just so the shepherds would have this really weird circumstance that would be, it would obviously have to be God to confirm. Like, I'm gonna find a baby in a manger? 
Like, I wonder if Mary had a moment later where she's like, really God? I had to have this baby in a stable so some smelly shepherds could get some confirmation that that was your angel talking to them? Like, I don't know, obviously I'm just imagining things, but like, I think that way. Like, really God, this? But like, guys, he speaks to everyone. Like, that's the deal. Like, don't, don't picture yourself as the one outsider outcast who just never hears from God. He saw those shepherds and said, you're important to me and I want you to be in on this. This good news is for you. And you matter enough to me, I'm gonna send one of my angels to tell you about it. And then a whole host is gonna sing about it and declare it. And then you're gonna meet a lady in a barn who just had a baby. Pretty cool. God invites us in. Now, I wanna give an, an important clarifying note here that I just, I just think has to be said, okay? When it comes to the supernatural, when it comes to, to hearing God through supernatural means, angels, dreams, prophetic stuff, we need to both believe that God speaks through those means, but we also need to look for confirmation and have discernment. We've gotta have discernment because even an angelic moment may not necessarily be from the Lord. Paul speaks some important words to the Galatians here in Galatians 1, beginning in verse six. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Notice what he says next. But even if we, like a Bible preacher, prophet person, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be accursed. This isn't an invitation like turn off our discernment radar and just believe every little thing that we hear. Like Paul's writing saying, guys, be careful. Like if you're hearing something powerful, supernatural, a word of prophecy, an angel visits, a preacher rolls into town saying something, it better line up and confirm with the word of God. If it doesn't look like Jesus, smell like Jesus, sound like Jesus, it ain't him. There is no other gospel, he says. And so what we've got to do is we've got to decide, God, I want to hear from you and I believe that you speak in a variety of ways. I'm not gonna shut that off or shut that down in fear, but God, I'm also not just gonna turn off discernment and good judgment at the door. I'm gonna listen for your voice. Thank you that you give me other people and ultimately back where we started, you give me your word. And so, so God, I wanna hear you speak and I don't want it to change or shift your word, I want it to confirm what your word has to say. I want to line up with you and who you are and what you're up to. Friends, sadly, too much of what passes as prophecy or the supernatural becomes an opportunity for fear-mongering, selling books, or promoting some individual instead of promoting Jesus. If it's not glorifying him, it needs to be shut down. We've got to have our discernment. Some things to consider. Is Jesus lifted up by what's being said? Is, it, is this drawing me to him? Is this establishing faith in my heart that's rooted in scripture or is it moving me towards fear? I see a lot of stuff getting said in the Christian world and community these days that is primarily built around moving and motivating people by fear. God's doing this, God's saying this, this is gonna happen. And it's like the church is being stirred up by fear and then trying to react in fear to change circumstances, get control of the situation. You know what every single one of these angels said when they showed up? Fear not. They brought peace. If Jesus told us that all kinds of horrible things were gonna happen as it got closer to his return. And then he said, take heart because I've overcome the world. Jesus didn't use fear to like inspire us to like, oh man, we gotta turn this thing around. 
No, he just said, yeah, it's gonna get bad. It's gonna get ugly, but I'm with you forever and it's gonna be all right. Trust me, take heart. I've overcome the world. Anyway, so much more could be said about that. But I just, we just have to make a decision as believers because see, it gets really safe. The longer we walk with the Lord and the more stuff that we see, we can elect for safety and we can close ourselves off from hearing God's voice. I want what he has for me. The scripture makes it clear, like the Holy Spirit's real and he moves and he operates. Absolutely prophecy happens. Absolutely dreams, angels, all of those things take place. Is it glorifying and aligning with the Jesus that's in the scripture? Is it confirmed by him and his word? Let's use some discernment relationships he's given us to like go, hey, like I'm hearing this. Is that, does that seem right? Can we look at some scripture together? Like, are you seeing that? And if we're not sure, pause. And if we realize quick it's off, then just shut it down, move on. But if it's him, I wanna respond like Mary, like Joseph, like the shepherds. I wanna run towards what he has for me and say yes to him. Y'all hang with me for one more? All right. I, love, I just, this, this one's so important to me. Last two people, Simeon and Anna. Jesus has just been born and Mary and Joseph are bringing their son to the temple for just kind of that, that confirmation, circumcision, all that. They come to the temple and it's Luke 2 now, verses 25 through 29. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Simeon waited. He waited, maybe for a very long time, but he waited on the Lord. He trusted what he'd heard. He had, he had over time developed a sense of when the Holy Spirit was talking to him. And so he had this impression from the Holy Spirit that he would see his Savior's birth. He had that sense. And listen, he had so cultivated a relationship with God. In the midst of his waiting, he'd been patient that when he saw his savior, even as a baby, he recognized him. Mary and Joseph didn't come in waving a sign saying, Messiah here. He said, that's my savior. As we cultivate a relationship with God, as we learn to even just stay in those periods of waiting and endurance and patience, but we hang in there with the Lord. When he does speak, when he does show up, even after it's been a long time, we'll recognize him. We'll recognize him because we've cultivated that relationship. And then the prophetess, verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years. She only had a seven-year marriage before her husband died. Seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. We don't know exactly when she got married, but you could get married pretty young back then. She was probably in her early mid-20s when her husband died. And now she's 84, maybe 60 years a widow. And how did she spend that time? She did not depart from the temple, worshiping, with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she just so happened to be coming up to the temple, right? And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. She comes up and here's Simeon. And she's like, oh, all these years of fasting and prayer and spending time in God's presence and I got to peek in on the arrival of the Messiah. This is amazing. And she gets to celebrate. 
Friends, my hope and prayer for us is that we would, we would live lives like this, that we would cultivate ears to hear, that we would cultivate hearts that are ready to respond, that we would have a mentality of persevering, worship, prayer, fasting, time in the word. Like these spiritual disciplines aren't to do the right thing and be devoted and be disciplined. They're an invitation to cultivate our relationship with the Lord. I don't know if you'll ever have an encounter with an angel. But the point is, God wants a real relationship with me. I'm gonna believe that he's real and alive and that he wants to talk with me. And so I wanna cultivate that relationship by spending time in his word, by waiting on him. Prayer, fasting, spending time with other believers who I know walk with the Lord. And let me, let me have the mentality that says, I believe God wants to talk to me. That's amazing. God wants to talk to me. I'm gonna believe, I'm gonna dare to believe that. And I wanna be responsive when he does. And let's watch what he does in our midst. Amen? I'm grateful that God loves us enough that he counts all of us worthy of his presence and worthy of a loving relationship with him. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you that you speak. God, that there's life when you speak. It's how you created the world. You spoke and the world was formed. Light came into darkness. God, whatever place we find ourselves in in our walk with you, Lord, I pray that we would just, we would be encouraged that you're there and you're with us and you desire to speak to us. You haven't rejected us. We're not someone who's on the outsider list. God, you invite us all in and all close to know you, to grow in relationship with you and to hear from you as we walk through this life. God, if there's anything in particular you want us to take away from this message this morning, maybe we need to cult cultivate some more relationships with other believers so there's some healthy encouragement that happens there that helps us hear your voice. God, if it's time for a renewed, a renewed refreshed time in your word where we're really just seeking to hear from you and be in your presence. God, if it's having our eyes and ears open as we're just navigating through daily life, paying attention to Santa Claus stickers on the ground, whatever it might be. Lord, thank you that you promise us that as we draw near to you, you're drawing near to us, that you desire a relationship with us. We love you. Thank you that you love us and you pursue us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.